Well, this evening we will be looking at the scripture in 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 to 10. And the title of this message is Lessons from David. Simply put, Lessons from David, as there are many different lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. And we will be reading verses 1 to 10. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went away. And then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord, the king. Then Saul looked behind him. David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to, the, he said to Saul, Why do you listen to these men and what they say? David is bent on harming you. This is the day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the many truths and lessons that we can learn from it. And we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us today. And indeed, Lord, may you speak and may you help us to be obedient to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. Saul was the first king over Israel. The ones that the people had asked. Before Saul became king, there were different judges in place to rule over and to lead and guide Israel. But the people wanted a king so badly that the Lord appointed Saul to be their king. Now Saul did great. He did a great job in leading the people in many victories. And shortly after, David joined his army, showing that he was worthy of becoming part of Saul's army. After David joined the army, the Lord had favor upon David's life and blessed him and helped him to achieve many victories himself within the army. After seeing that the people favored David and the people really took to David, Saul became extremely jealous. 
He became jealous and envious and thinking that the people would prefer David to be king, thinking that David would take his position and thinking that it would be better if David just wasn't in the picture anymore. So he tried to kill David. After attempting to kill young David, David fled and hid from Saul. But Saul became even more obsessed with trying to find David and trying to kill him. And in this passage of scripture, we see that Saul learns about David's next hiding spot in the caves of Angedi. And we, uh, some of us recently came back from a trip from the Holy Land, and that was one of the sites that we saw. Pastor Mike, do you remember that? The caves of Angedi. Pastor Mike was on that trip with us. And it was a wonderful time, and, and it was just amazing to be able to see some of the sites come alive to us that we read about in the Bible. And so this was one of the sites that we visited, the caves of Angedi. And so this is where we see that uh, Saul decided that he was going to pursue David after finding out where he was. Now you have to understand in verses 1 and 2 we see that Saul had just come back. It says that after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines he was told David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Now understand that when it says that Saul had just come back, it's not referring to Saul coming back alone. Okay, He would have come back with his army because it would have been the army that went out to pursue the Philistines. The Philistines were one of the strongest armies that Israel ever faced. They were ruthless, they were strong, they were powerful, they knew what they were doing. And so the scripture tells us that they had just come back from this long journey of pursuing the Philistines. And he catches word and catches wind, whatever you want to say, that this is where David is. He's hiding in the caves of En Gedi. And so I don't know about you, but when I've come back from a long trip, all I want to do is go home and rest. Are you like that too? Don't, don't talk to me. Don't bother me. I just want to go rest, right? But that's not what Saul does. What Saul does is he gathers up men to now go off on another journey to look for David because he was so determined to find him and to kill him. But notice not only does Saul gather up his army, it says that he gathered up these young, able men from all of Israel. And not just a few, not just a few hundred, but 3,000 men he gathered up. So basically what that's saying is the best of the best. He went and he handpicked these men, the best, the youngest, the most strongest, the ones who are most able to fight, and he gathered them up. Now, what Saul did was act out of anger and jealousy. He was angry, he was jealous, he was determined to to just go and to capture David and to kill him. And by the way, I just noticed... Hannah was on that trip as well, right? So, sorry, Hannah, I didn't realize that you were sitting there and, you know. So, Hannah was on that trip as well. So, you got to see this place as well. So, he went and he gathered up these men and he wanted to go out to find David. So, was it really necessary? 
Was it really necessary for him to leave right after returning from his journey back home? Was it necessary for him to go and to gather up 3,000 of his best soldiers that he could find all over Israel? Was it really necessary? The answer is no. What was Saul doing here? Saul was overreacting. He was overreacting to the situation and he was making ridiculous and unreasonable decisions in that anger and in that moment. In the heat of the moment, he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. He was determined to find David. And what can this teach us? It can teach us that we need to be careful not to act or make decisions out of anger or jealousy. To be careful that we don't in the same heat of the moment make certain decisions so quickly because we're in a certain emotion that it affects and it determines the decisions that we make now we are human beings we will get angry at times that's one of the emotions that we will feel whether that's more often than some or not it is an emotion that we will feel and it's not a sin to get angry despite what you may believe it's not It's a sin when it leads us to do something that is against God and against God's will. And so the act of actually being angry is not a sin, but it's what we do in that anger that determines whether it is a sin or not. And so what is important is, yes, Saul was angry. Yes, we can get angry, but it's the decisions and what we do in that anger. And it's important that we learn to be able to control our emotions. It's important that we learn to control ourselves so that we don't allow the emotions that we feel to make our decisions for us. What am I saying here? I'm saying we need to be careful not to act out of our anger. For an example, if you are frustrated and aggravated because something has happened, something has happened at work, a situation, people are getting on your nerves, maybe things are happening at home, and all of a sudden someone says something to you that just makes you angry, we can easily say something to retaliate to them that we may later regret because we're speaking or acting out of anger. There are times where someone will say something or do something or, or, or not do something or not say something that will cause us to get angry or feel other emotions. And it's important that we do not allow the different emotions that we feel to determine how we act and how we respond to them. And those emotions can cause us to get in a fight it can cause us to go and tell someone off or say something that we will later regret it might cause us to cheat to lie to steal to vandalize to do something that's out of our character and so it's very important that we don't allow our emotions to get the best of us but that we are careful to make decisions when we are thinking clearly and maybe that will be um on account of just taking some time and walking away from the situation. Maybe that will be uh, just moving away from that person and not engaging in further conversation with them. Maybe that will be asking someone to help deal with that situation for you. Whatever it is, be careful not to act or make decisions out of anger or jealousy because most of the times it leads to something that we will later regret. And we see that Saul was acting out of anger by making decisions that were not necessary necessary were unreasonable then we go on in verse 3 he that is Saul went to the sheep pens along the way 
a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Basically what was happening is here is Saul and his men went to pursue David. And he left them outside, went into one of these caves to relieve himself, not realizing that this was the exact same cave that David and his men were in further back. And David and his men noticed Saul come in. Saul had no idea. And what they were basically saying to each other was, this is the time. This is the perfect opportunity. This is our chance to go and to kill Saul. This is what the Lord was speaking of when he said he's going to give your enemy over to you. So this is your chance. So what David went is he crept up unnoticed. Saul had no idea that anyone else was in that cave. He crept up unnoticed and he cut off a corner of his robe. So just a little piece of it. And it says in the scripture that after he cut off that corner of his robe, in verse 5, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. So he was basically feeling bad that he even went that far in just cutting off a piece of his robe. Verse 6, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay a hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul and Saul left the cave and went his way. Saul had absolutely no clue what had happened, but David could have easily taken Saul's life. This was the perfect opportunity. This was the perfect setup for him to go and to kill Saul and get him over with. And I'm sure that his action in killing Saul would have been just as justified because Saul was trying to kill him. And so he was basically trying to kill Saul first so that he would not be killed. But in that moment, David did not take Saul's life. He was even he was even feeling bad for just cutting off a piece of his robe. He knew that it was not right. And so even though he had the perfect opportunity to repay him for what he was doing, to repay him evil for evil, he chose not to do it. What can that teach us? It can teach us that we must not, do not repay evil for evil, even when you have the chance to. Don't repay evil for evil, even when you have the chance to. David had the perfect opportunity to get back at Saul, but he chose not to. Because he knew that this is not what the Lord would want. He knew that this is not the way to go about things. And in our lives, there are going to be times where we have the perfect opportunity to get back at someone. Maybe it's a family member who has done something, who has maybe borrowed money from you and never repaid it, or who has done something to you that has wronged you or hurt you, and you have an opportunity to get back at them. Don't repay evil for evil. Maybe it's a friend who has lied about you, who has spread rumors or gossip about you, and you have the opportunity to get back at that person. Don't repay evil for evil. 
Maybe it's a husband or a wife who has left you or who has cheated on you or who has done wrong to you. And you have that opportunity to repay evil for evil and do something to get back at them for what they have done. Don't repay evil for evil. Maybe it's a boss who fired you from your job and you think that you were wrongfully dismissed and you have the perfect opportunity to get back at them because you know something that they did that could get them fired. Don't repay evil for evil. You see, even when we have the opportunity to repay evil for evil, what good comes out of that? Nothing. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called us to do. He will bless you for it. It's hard to do something like that. Instead of repaying them, it's saying to bless them. Or another phrase would put it, kill them with kindness. (laughs) Right? I don't know if any of you have ever heard of that. Kill them with kindness. But when we're talking about someone who has deeply wronged us, someone or a group of people who have deeply hurt us, it's often very difficult to be able to do something kind towards them. We often want to get even. We often want to see them suffer or see them get a taste of their own medicine. But what God is saying is don't do that. Bless them. Do the opposite of what you feel like doing and I will bless you for it. In Romans chapter 12 verse 17, it says never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do things in such a way that people will be able to see that you are honorable. When we look at David's life, we can see a man of honor. We can see a man who had an opportunity to kill someone who rightfully so deserved to be killed, but he didn't. And even when we have the opportunity to get back at someone and hurt them for what they have done to us, let us choose to forgive them. Let us choose to leave them in the hands of the Lord and let us choose to bless them if we can. Romans chapter 12 verse 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Vengeance is his, not ours. And so let us leave them in the hands of the Lord. Let us choose to forgive them, knowing that our Father in heaven has forgiven us for way more than we deserve to be forgiven. But he has blessed us. He has forgiven us. He has made us right. And a thousand times we may fail. But he still stands ready to forgive us. The scriptures say that God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Imagine if God treated us as we deserve to be treated. Imagine if God gave us what we deserve. It would be nothing. But because of his grace, because of his mercy... Because of his love. And may we show that love, that grace, that mercy, and that same forgiveness that he has forgiven us and showed us. Amen? Amen. So don't repay evil for evil, even when you get the chance to.
So we see that David was conscious stricken for having cut off a piece of his robe. In verse 6 it says, He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master with the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand upon him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Verse 8 says, Then David went out to the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the King. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Can you imagine what it would have looked like to watch this encounter take place? Knowing the history that David and Saul had. Knowing the fact that so many times, if Saul had the opportunity to take David's life, he wouldn't have thought twice to do it. But yet David had that same perfect opportunity and did not take it. And not only did he not take it, but he rebuked his men and said, you are not to touch him. You are not to lay a hand upon him. And he went out and he called out to Saul and he didn't say, hey, Saul. He said, my Lord, look at how... He addresses him in verse 8. He says, my Lord, the king, having a respect, having that honor still for him, respecting his position and his authority that Saul had. And when Saul looked behind him, it said that David bowed down. And not only did he just bow down, but he prostrated himself, acknowledging the, the authority and the position that Saul had. And even though Saul was against him, David still showed him respect that he did not deserve. And there are going to be people in our life who we will not always agree with. But the Bible teaches us to respect the people who God has placed in certain positions. To respect the people that God has placed in certain positions even if we don't always agree with them. Because he has placed them in those positions. David didn't agree with what Saul was doing. He didn't like the fact that Saul had become the man that he had become. However, he still respected him as king over Israel. He still respected the position that God had placed him in and the position that he had and the authority that it came with it. And there are going to be people that we encounter, people that we know of, who are in certain positions that the Lord has allowed them to be in. And we may, not always res- we may not always agree with the certain decisions that they make, but we are to respect their positions and know that God has placed them in that position and God is allowing them to have that position. So who are those people? Well, simply it could be our government leaders. I've heard many people, you know, give criticism about different government leaders. And you may have your own thoughts and opinions about people in government, even Right now at this time. However, there is good and there is bad all the time. And so it's important for us to respect the position that those people have and to pray for them. Amen? To not just criticize and say all the things that we wish would change, but to also pray for them. That God would lead them and guide them and direct them and help them to make godly decisions. And not just tear them down and to criticize them, but God has allowed them to have that position. So let's pray for them and respect that they are our leaders. And let's support them and encourage them. 
Who else? Parents. Parents are in positions of leadership. And there are many kids who will go about and complain. Or there are many kids who won't even respect what their parents have said or the authority that their parents have. And it's so important that they learn to respect their parents. Because if they can't respect their own parents, how do we expect them to respect others who come above them? And so it's so important that we teach our children and our grandchildren and and different people from a young age to respect their parents and those who are placed in authority over them, their teachers, their coaches, uh, different people in their lives, to respect that position. They may not always agree with what their parents say, right? But the fact that their parents are in a position over them to lead and to guide them. Who else? Pastors. You may not always agree with the pastors. You may not always like the pastors. But the Lord has placed pastors in certain positions. And again, we are to pray for them. We are to continue to to hold them up in prayer. And as a pastor, I know that I need as much prayer as I can get. And so for other pastors as well, let's not criticize, but let's hold them up in prayer. Let's help them. Let's join together in supporting them. And, And let's continue you to know that the Lord has placed them, the Lord's anointed. It couldn't be simply your boss at work. There are many people who complain about their bosses, who complain about the different people in their workplaces, but the Lord has obviously allowed that person to have that position. And we can criticize, we can say that we would do a better job, we could list off all of the ways that we would change things if we had a chance, but may we not May we not tear them down, but may we build them up, knowing that God has allowed them to have that position. So let us respect them, let us pray for them, let us support them. Respect the people that God has placed in certain positions. Amen? Amen. And so David showed that respect and that honor, not only in the way that he addressed Saul, not only in the fact that he decided that he was not going to let his men take his life, and not only in how he went up to Saul and bowed down and prostrated himself, but the fact that we know that David was an honorable man. He chose to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And may we too just choose to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, even when things on the outside are telling us otherwise. And David directly addresses the issue that Saul has. In verse 9, he said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? You see, King Saul was listening to all of these people around him who were telling him, oh, David wants your position. David is trying to kick you out. David's trying to kill you. David's trying to steal your family. Or David's trying to do this. Or David's trying to do that. And Saul was letting all of these people fill his mind with these thoughts. And so what David was basically saying is, why are you listening to them? Why are you listening to what they are saying? And it's very, very important, no matter our age or no matter who we are, to be careful who we allow to influence us. 
to be careful who we allow to influence us, the people around us that fill our minds with different opinions, who tell us what they think, who, who share their jaded opinions or, or the different things, experiences that they have had. And we can easily be swayed if we are not careful. And it's very important that we, 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 we filter and we see those different things that come in because we can easily be influenced if we're not careful. And may we choose to have people in our lives who will positively influence us, who will build us up, who will encourage us, who will reinforce what we believe and what we know, and not the people who will be negative in tearing us down or always questioning or always trying to slander someone's name or always trying to do something else. And may we be careful about our influences. You've probably heard this saying, and it's true. Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. It's because the people that we choose to hang around with, the people that we choose to allow in our circle, the people that we constantly spend the most time with are the people, whether we understand or realize or not, will influence us. So who's influencing you? And if you're not sure, look at the people you spend the most time with. The other question to that is who's influencing you and who are you influencing? Because not only are we to be careful who we allow to influence us, but we also need to make sure that we're being a positive influence on the people around us. If we are going around and telling our coworkers, telling the people at our gym, telling the people at our school that we are Christ followers and not living a life that measures up to that, then what they are seeing is someone who is lacking. And what they are seeing is a poor example of what it means to be a Christian. And so not only should we be careful about who's influencing us, but who we're influencing as well. And the influence that we are being on other people. Think about it. Who's influencing you? And who are you influencing? And if you're not sure who's influencing you, then make sure... That your main influence is Jesus. You will never go wrong when you allow Jesus to influence you. When you allow him to fill your mind with his words. When you allow him to write on your heart. When you allow him to constantly fill you and fill you and fill you. To the highest measure where you're running over. You see, when we hide the word of God in our hearts, when we are constantly meditating on his word day and night, when that is what we are feeding into ourselves, that is who is influencing us. And so we need to make sure that Jesus is our influence, our greatest and our primary influence. And when we allow Jesus to influence us, we then can go and influence the world to change. May we learn these lessons from David to be careful not to act or make decisions out of anger or jealousy. To not repay evil for evil, we, even when we have the chance to. To respect the people who God has placed in certain positions, even if we don't always agree with them. And to be careful who we allow and the people we allow to influence us. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for this time. And we pray, Father, that indeed you would help us to learn these lessons from David. We pray that you would continue to help us to be people who are honorable, people who do right and who do good in your sight. And we pray that, Lord, you would be our primary influence, that you would fill us with your word, that you would fill us with your thoughts, that you would give us the mind of Christ, and that you indeed, Lord, would transform us by renewing our mind and helping us to think like you. So, Lord, we pray that you would challenge us, that you would help us, and that indeed, Lord, that we would continue to seek to be more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.